0: Welcome to the Pioneer Outdoors podcast, where we bring you knowledge, experience, and insight on all things archery and outdoor related. This episode is sponsored by Servicide, an uncensored outdoor network community to help you grow as a hunter. Member perks include hunt swaps, discounts up to 50% off on more than 20 brands and businesses, a hunting app, and online and in-person events. Visit serviceside.com for more information. Matthew Braun with me. Um, What's going on? Hey, thanks for having me on today. Uh, You're welcome. Uh, So uh, tell me a little bit about yourself and where you're located.
1: Yes, well, I've been deer hunting since I've been 12 years old. My father's taken me out well before that. Uh, I just really enjoy the outdoors. and It's always a, an exciting feeling sitting in the woods, just always knowing that there's an opportunity that day to uh, harvest a nice deer. Um, I would say definitely bow hunting is my favorite over rifle hunting, just a little bit harder.
0: I uh, absolutely love it. Yeah, me too. I love the thrill. Um, so where where you're at, uh, when does season start?
1: So season for us, I'm in central Wisconsin. Our opening archery season starts this weekend, September 18th.
0: Um, I'll definitely be out there at first light, that's for sure. Yeah, I'm in Virginia and we start October 2nd. So, uh, we, we have quite a bit. Um, so, with the season starting up pretty soon, um, I, I really want to go in depth about preparation, um, about stand locations and uh, figuring out, uh, like I said, stand sites. And, uh, I don't know, do you do food plots at all?
1: This year, we tried to put in a few food plots, so we'll see how that goes.
0: Yeah, okay. And uh, how long have you had your cameras running?
1: Uh, about two weeks. Um, not quite as religious as some hunters that keep them up all summer.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, I'm not either. I mean, yeah, it's just what your drift is when it comes to that. But I usually do it about a month before uh, season opens. Um so uh with your stand sites right now can you give us without telling us where they are just in, just you know just in case somebody's in Wisconsin uh can you tell us where they are in relation to like the the grid of the the map you would say if if you looked at it on like Google Maps is it near any fields hardwoods anything like that
1: Yeah. so I kind of have a combination of both. Um we have some hardwoods that we uh we hunt. I extremely love the thick, swampy hardwoods, brushy areas. I think that holds the most deer. Um but looking at early season, I like to tend to go towards the food sources. Uh, mm-hmm. I like to set up stands along the edge of like soybeans. Um, not so much corn early season, just because it's hard to shoot in that stuff. Um, but once that corn comes down, I'm definitely hanging a stand over it. seems like that's where all the deer are funneling uh, at this early season. Um, same with like food plots and stuff. I'll okay.
0: have my stands right on the
1: food plots and I'll sit over that early season.
0: Okay. Yeah. I know with uh, a few of our stand sites, What we've done actually is uh, a few years ago, we would figure out where the deers would, uh, would cross and exit the, our, our main field, uh, which we collect hay from. And then off of that, we would set up and clear maybe like an acre and have like a little station area. And then that's where we would hang our stands before they hit the big field. Um, just gives us a little bit better opportunity when it comes to you know the mature bucks hitting the big field at uh, dusk. It just gives us a little bit more uh, time and opportunity to harvest a mature buck like that. Um so in Wisconsin, what type of crops is that state known for?
1: Um, so there's three big ones. There's corn, soybean, and alfalfa. Um, I like, especially early season, the hunt over alfalfa and soybeans, mm-hmm. just because with the, uh, there's still green leaves on the soybeans. So they're out there munching on that, uh, right before they turn yellow. Okay. Um, corn, like I said, is a little tough to hunt at the moment. I do get a couple stands, kind of like what you were describing. Uh, I put them a little bit ways in the woods, cut a few shooting lanes with them. Um and try to get them coming out into the corn. Um, but I I I'd preferably hunt over soybeans and alfalfa
0: this early season. Yeah, yeah. So uh, other than the fields, uh, right now uh, we have one really good tree stand out on top of a ridge that is loaded with hardwoods. Um, and that's another site that I like to be in um the first month of deer season because it's loaded with uh acorns it's just it's crazy the amount of acorns that's in that area and um you know usually in about three weeks they're all gone once they drop but that's also a good stand location if you can find a group of uh hardwoods together um so if you don't mind me asking uh what are you shooting this year
1: as far as like the bow setup yeah yeah so a couple years ago um I still had my beginner bow it was a PSE Stainer 3G um that was the first bow I ever hunted with Mm -hmm. um I decided to upgrade a couple years ago to a Bowtech Realm SR6 uh I really like the speed of that bow and where I shoot over those fields um, I mean, if, a opportunity presents itself at a mature buck, I'm definitely taking it at 50 yards and you definitely need a speed bow for that. Yeah. Otherwise there's just so many variables where, uh, the buck can jump your arrow and, uh, wind comes in, uh, effect there too. So personally, the faster the bow,
0: the better. Okay. Yeah. I know like, w- like what you were saying that, uh, PSC Stinger, uh, That bow has been out for a long time. I don't think people realize that. They just changed the name. But the Stinger in the the PSE line has been around for at least a decade, if not a little bit longer. So that tells you that that is a a great beginner bow. Um, I think you made a really good decision on upgrading. Uh, Bowtech makes really, really nice equipment as well um so it if we go back to like stand locations uh do you have a stand that is just like a honey hole like every year you can you can guarantee or do you have a stand that's your absolute favorite and could you go in detail why that is
1: yeah so I got one stand placement that is definitely a honey hole every year that it doesn't seem what time of year I can always see some sort of deer and there's always a mature buck that walks by. Um, This one is in one of our uh, parcels of land that is just thick, swampy uh, woods. Uh, Max you can see is 40 yards. Um, It just seems like that spot just really holds deer Uh, For the past couple years now, I've always had a mature buck walk by opening day. Mm -hmm. Uh, Just for whatever reason, I have never actually hunted that stand position. Um, But maybe I'll go out there this this weekend, but it's looking like 80 degrees for us this opening weekend. So I'm not sure how much hunting I'm going to do. Um, Basically, our stand setup is we built an octagon blind, homemade. Um, We have it 10 feet up what I really like about it is deer just do not see you in those types of stands. And I get a lot of people that tell me, Oh, well, that's cheating. You're hunting from uh, a box blind. I'm like, you know, (laughs) coming from Wisconsin, when the late season gets to minus 50, it's just smart. It's just smart hunting. Yeah.
0: I I would definitely rather be in a, you know, close close area with a buddy heater. And just open the window when it's that cold
1: (laughs) yes yes it's been uh i've shot a couple deer where the wind chill was literally minus 50 degrees because at that point the deer have to be on their feet and those enclosed stands i mean you can hunt all year round in them and i love it
0: yeah i think i think what you were saying when it gets really cold in late season i think them type of stands are your best bet especially you know, even in the even in the early season, when you get somebody new uh, into archery, they can they can move a little bit more and get comfortable and feel a little a little bit better taking their fir- first animal um, in that situation. Uh, yes, I, know, I agree. I know for me, uh, my honey hole stand is is it's a little bit difficult to hunt in because it's like where two ridges come together it's in a little flat at the bottom uh so the wind is all the time but if uh if you can play smart and play the wind uh it seems like every year all the deer funnel to that area um and go between the ridges instead of taking a ridge line which i'm not i don't really understand why they wouldn't just do that like like cattle, but it just seems like they go all the way down and spend a little bit of time there in this small opening, which is actually a a power line. Um, It's maybe, I don't know, it's maybe 40 yards wide uh, and 200, well, 300 yards long, but it just seems like they just stay in that little area and make, scrapes on every single tree rubs on every single tree and they go on the other ridge so that would be my honey hole situation um but like i said you would have to play the wind and you would have to be really smart entering and exiting that stand location where so many deer funnel right there but that would be my honey hole stand for sure
1: I think you uh touched on a great topic to talk about, and that's uh access to your stands. And I think a lot of people overlook that,
0: yeah so so what we done is where it is a uh, a, a power line we actually left high grass on either side, and we have a little trail with high grass on either side all the way to the stand uh you just have to crouch a little bit but you can make it but that that's what we done where we wouldn't get busted right away and uh if you can get on the stand you can peep your head over and look and just to make sure that there's no deer um is there is there a a stand situation or not situation but is there a stand uh kind of like that where you hunt or how do you access your stands
1: so for me uh after hunting for a few years now and uh just learning about how I walk in my stand get busted a few times I really like to hunt the outside edges of our property um stands that are really easy to access I think the longest walk I have to a stand might be 100 yards okay um, because where we hunt it's that thick nasty stuff the deer like the bed right in the middle of it. Um, I'm sure there's a few good stand locations that if you could potentially get into the middle of our parcel, that it would be dynamite. But I, I really like hunting the edges of our property, something that's super easy to access. Um, one of our properties we can hunt
0: from all sides. So it's, it's really easy access in and out. Yeah, for sure. That's definitely a game changer. Um, and, Bussing deer in, in the core of the property. Uh, so, do you have, do you ever use like somebody transporting you there and back? Have you ever done that or? Uh-
1: yes. Uh, we usually do that pretty much uh, every time. Um, if there is, we do have a couple stands where they are kind of more in the middle of our properties. We got trails going to it. Um, we'll take like a, a ATV or UTV drop someone off it seems like the deer focus on the the vehicle as opposed to the hunter so you can really get up in your stand without it without the deer noticing that you got into your stand
0: yeah that's what i was ready to touch up on is uh if you can if you can have or have permission to hunt a field and that field is so used to seeing a farmer come and go in any of that them vehicles they don't really pay attention as much as uh you know all of a sudden there's a vehicle there you know i mean they they just look at it and let it go by or they'll go in the woods wait a couple minutes and come back out exactly uh, so if if you can if you can get near a field that's definitely how i would i would get a girlfriend or a friend or whoever to drive you there um and then pick you up at night. That way you don't bust the deer uh, in that area.
1: Yes, I 100% agree with that. So, <clears throat> uh,
0: I got to ask, is there any, because this is my favorite topic, state to state, is there any weird laws for hunting deer in Wisconsin? <laughs> <laughs> was. Um, can can you use lighted knocks in Wisconsin?
1: Yes, you can use lighted knocks in Wisconsin, and I've actually gone away from that. Um I hunted with it the past two years and I kind of gone away from it this year. Mm-hmm. Um just because once you get that lighted knock on your arrow, it throws that FOC off just a little bit with the weight being little bit more back towards the arrow. Mm -hmm. Um, so I like to put a nice white arrow wrap on the back of my arrow with white fletchings and that, that helps a lot, but getting back to the question, um, there's not really a weird law in Wisconsin as far as bow hunting. Um, I know one of our biggest topics is I think five years ago, they decided to allow crossbow hunting Mm -hmm. for anyone, not just disabled people anymore. Okay. And that's been drawing a lot of controversy, um, with the hunting community here in Wisconsin.
0: Did, uh, could you, could you go in a little bit deeper? Uh, yeah, so what's, when what's they, the reason behind that?
1: Yeah. So once they introduced, uh, anyone can hunt with a crossbow, um, our harvested numbers have gone way up with the, uh, with bow season. And our rifle hunting numbers are going way down because these people that typically don't bow hunt can take out a crossbow and there's not a lot of work involved. That's kind of a bad way to phrase it, Um, but they can go out there in the rut and uh, shoot a nice one every year. Um, I think personally, it's a great idea to introduce that um it gets a lot more people involved especially with like the youth that still can't draw back a, a compound bow um but i just know that there is controversy here in wisconsin on that bow hunt uh crossbow hunting law
0: yeah yeah i am I'm, I'm in the same boat uh with you uh, i don't i don't mind uh crossbow hunters um you know i think everybody has their their niche uh, I'm a big supporter in kids and women using crossbows, especially if, it, if if they're new to the sport. It's just a little bit easier for them to do it. Um, I know in Virginia, the, the weight range has to be a minimum of 35 pounds for a compound. Um,
1: I think but, that's about the same here in Wisconsin. It's either 30 or 35
0: pounds. Yeah. I mean – I don't have kids yet, <laughs> but <laughs> when, when I do, I would want them to be, you know, with me as soon as possible. And that's a great way for any parent to do so is to get a crossbow. Yes, I agree. <clears throat> I know it, it's it's not a big deal, but where I live, it's like the Tri-City area. And so uh, all, the surrounding states around me, can uh can can bait like um i'm about a hundred miles any direction from a different state uh and where i'm so close what what people do is they they get so mad because they can't for me it's not much of an issue because I, i i scout for patterns um like i said every year is pretty predictable Uh, where I hunt because we don't, we don't pressure them a lot, but a lot of these people that have, you know, small acreages, uh, they just, they want to bait because they don't have the, the acreage that, uh, can support, you know, quite a bit of a deer population, Um, which is kind of funny because every store around my house sells deer corn. (laughs) (laughs) and and, um a a couple years ago they introduced us using synthetic um scents but you can go to rule king and get you know pure uh urine so it's just they they tell they're like hey don't do this but this is all that you're going to see
1: (laughs) so that's that's definitely uh, interesting
0: yeah, I think that's the funniest thing ever.
1: <laughs> yeah, um, here in Wisconsin, um, the baiting laws are kind of tricky. Um, we got so much CWD up here now. Yeah, i um, heard about that. Yep, and it seems like every year, obviously, they come up with new cases and whatnot. And um, if one county has a CWD case, test positive, then the surrounding counties of that county can't bait. Yeah. Um, like right now, I think we're sitting at maybe five counties that can still bait.
0: Yep. Yeah. I mean, I don't have any issue with, with baiting. Don't get me wrong. If it's legal in your state, do it. But I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but how them cases started is basically animals swapping spit because it's just one pile. Am I right about that or am I wrong?
1: You know I, that's what they say. Um, obviously, I'm no expert in that uh, that field of study, but that's what they say is uh, just swap and spit from all like the baiting piles and whatnot. And I know in one of the counties that we hunt it is legal to bait. so we'll we'll throw a little bit of bait down just to kind of keep them on our property and um I like like you, I have no issue on someone uh doing that if they have like a smaller parcel and they want to keep deer on their property
0: yeah so um not going into baiting but is there any attractant that you like in wisconsin that just works i know here in virginia um deer cane like i used it uh maybe six years ago with my brother and we came back the next week and you could jump into the hole like it <laughs> was it was that ridiculous and i've been using that every year since since we done that and it's worked tremendously um you know just trying to get them deers into one situation to come back every year
1: yes um deer cane is definitely very popular here in Wisconsin i've used it a few times Um, this year I decided to try to create my own mineral site.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, so I went to flea farm, picked up, I think there's four different supplements, put them together, spread them out. Um, so we'll see how that does this year, but I definitely do like deer cane and I like the, uh, mossy oak biologic addictive stuff. Okay.
0: Yeah. Um, I haven't, I'll be honest with you after the deer cane i haven't tried anything else because i mean it's it's been working so great for me i haven't had any issue um but i mean i use the liquid and then i top it off with like the block that ca- that they came out with um but it's just the holes they it's ridiculous like like i said that first one in a week you could just jump in it and it would be at your waist <laughs> like it was crazy um all right well uh so with going back to your archery setup uh what arrows are you running because you mentioned uh foc so what what's the total weight if you know or or what kind of broadheads and components are you running in that
1: yeah for sure um so, like I said, I was shooting the Bowtech Realm SR6, um, obviously a speed bow, so you need a little heavier heavier arrow. Um, I was shooting the Gold Tip Hunter Pros, but they just had a little bit too much weight in the back. Um, so, I decided to, this year, go with the Easton Axis Arrows. Yeah. They- uh, I shoot them in a 340 spine, 5 millimeter. Mm-hmm heard good reviews on those um i put 50 grain inserts on the front uh just to kind of keep a little bit more weight up front and then uh i shoot the rage broadheads
0: okay yeah yeah if you can uh the more well well to me i've done i've done a lot of uh a lot of reviews on um heavy arrows i like a happy medium I like to be between uh, 500 to, uh, like, 560 total weight. Um, but any any extra weight without going too crazy up front is definitely a plus, especially, like you said, uh, at longer ranges. You can definitely get a little bit more penetration like that. And um, there's actually been reviews – or not reviews, but studies – of a heavier arrow um at launch towards a hundred yards being faster than a lighter weight arrow. So say uh say like a, what was the study? I believe it was a Ashby study um that they launched a thousand grain arrow and at a uh, at like eighty yards, it was going faster than like a uh, four hundred and eighty grain arrow, which that itself blew my mind. It was like that is, would, that's would, definitely interesting. Yeah, you would think. Well, it's heavier, wouldn't it go slower? And but yeah, that's not the case. <laughs> <laughs> it, it just, I guess, where it has so much momentum up front, uh, it just it just keeps. Keeps it uh better in line. It, it keeps it, you know, uh, just it has more weight up front, so it carries longer. There we go. Huh.
1: Yes, yes, and I'm definitely a fan of shooting a little heavier arrows. Um, just just for the uh, penetration wise. Yeah. Um, I've got some light arrows before, and it just didn't seem like I kept getting the pass throughs. Um, that I would on some of these heavier arrows. So definitely error on the heavier side if you were to get something different.
0: Yeah. I'm, a, I'm a high believer in that as well. Um, you know, going back to youth and women, they, they don't have to hit 500. But you know, to me, the the heavier the arrow, the better it is. I recommend, you know, youth and women, if they're not going past 30, to shoot a, a fixed blade broadhead just to give them that extra penetration as well. Um, to, for me, going into fixed blade broadheads, I wish a lot of people uh, would sharpen their their fixed blades out of the package because not a lot of them can be as sharp as they could be, and that's that's a downside. I see that all the time uh they could get a lot better penetration with fixed blades if as soon as they open them out of the package they sharpened them.
1: Yes, I definitely agree. Um I'm probably not as religious as some people are at that and I probably should be. Um but any extra sharpness that you can get out of a broadhead, the better. Mm-hmm. So are you, uh, a, are you uh, a fixed blade type bull hunter?
0: Yeah. I'm, uh, I, I started with fixed blades and, uh, what, what turned me away was with a expandable, uh, in certain situations, I didn't get a lot of penetration or I hit bone and it just, it just failed on me. Um, but with a, with a fixed blade, with my arrow weight, uh, I can I can just blow through a deer if I hit them in the right spot. Not saying that you can't with a mechanical and a lighter setup. It's just, it just boosts my confidence more. And I, I just always stuck with it. If you can build an arrow the correct way and uh, then broadhead tune, uh, your fill points and your fixed blades will hit the same. You just have to... You know, spend time with your setup and make sure that whoever builds your arrows squares the the ends and uh, flushes them the right way. I mean, I I can go in depth, but there is a process uh, with arrows, especially with uh, fixed blades. But it's not as hard as most people make it to seem, especially on the forearms. Um, If your arrows are good, it's all about your rest. You just barely move it, sixteenths of an inch, uh, just the way that your field tip is hitting. So just to put it in, you know, easy, understandable terms, say you're, you're good with your field point at 30 yards and your fixed blade is hitting three inches to the right. Well, you're going to move your rest towards your uh, fill point. And like I said, it's not that much movement as you would think. I mean, you're just barely tapping it. And it will move that broadhead in, so you're pretty dang close. And then you can go back to paper and shoot through paper, and it still looks good. You're not moving it that much, but, you know, just little love taps can go a long way. Yes. <clears throat> but, uh. You know, like like I said, I I don't bash anybody and their equipment. It's just I just feel a little bit more confident with it. You know. Um, yep. But I've shot. Uh. Well, I haven't shot, but my brother shot a, a deer with a Rage, and it didn't go ten steps. <laughs> like it just, it just. I think it like it didn't even know that it was hit. We shot it in the field. It was his first deer, and um. It took two steps and was just looking, and it fell, and I was like, Jesus, and we walked up to a uh, four and a half inch cut, and I was like, dang, man.
1: I will say I have used fixed broadheads uh, when I first started, um, and I've always tried, every year, for the most part, I've always tried something new um, just because I didn't know what was out there. Um, I didn't know which one performed the best. And I like to go off of my own experience, uh, with fixed broadheads. I really love that muzzy four blade. I think that has, it has awesome knockdown power with that, um, makes incredible blood trails. Um, I've shot quite a few deer with that one. Um, and then one year, I did switch over to those rages. I had a pack that a buddy gave me. And the first deer I ever killed with it, it went 30, <clears throat> and it dropped right there. And I could not believe the hole that that thing created.
0: <clears throat> yeah. The... <coughs> I'm getting a little bit choked up. Um, it's insane um, what a fixed blade can do to a, a, a whitetail. If you hit them yeah. in the right spot, I mean, it's just unbelievable.
1: <clears throat> I think that is uh, the biggest key to it is hitting them in the right spot. Mm-hmm. If you hit them in the right spot every time, any broad will kill a deer.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, but uh, Muzzy has been around a long time, and there's a really good reason for that. They work. They work really good. And um, with the chisel tip that they have on all their broadheads, Um, I'm pretty sure like their standard three and that four blade, um, it's just hard to beat them and they're really not as high, um, as other fixed blades. I know, I know at our local Walmart, you can get a six pack for like 35 bucks for a a three blade. And, uh, you know, I mean, they work the, what you were going back to is, is shooting them in the right spot with fixed blades. You don't have to have, um, you know, like this giant cutting service, uh, surface up front to kill a deer. Um, and the smaller the blades are, the more accurate it's going to be. But I, myself, and I can, you know, a hundred percent, I shot a deer, um, when I was 20 with a field tip and I didn't even realize it until I got my arrow out. Um, I grabbed the wrong arrow and I knocked it because I didn't have it knocked when I first got in the stand. I knocked it, shot it, and it was at 40 yards I shot this eight-point buck and it stood in, uh, in the field for at least four minutes just standing there bleeding out. And then it fell down. And then when I got my arrow, I was like, I shot it with a field tip. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I mean, if you shoot them in the right spot, you can definitely kill a deer. It, You know? But in certain situations, them, them rages are just so lethal. Um, going back to my brother, I helped my brother track a, a, a deer, and he shot it at... I think forty yards forty five yards, and it went maybe twenty, and it was like you got a spray paint can and just sprayed everything yes so they're they're definitely definitely a killer um let's see uh what type of uh cameras are you using this
1: year um you know, I got all sorts of different ones. I got anywhere from Wild Game to Stealth to Cuddyback. Um, every year it seems like I buy like two more just to add to the collection. And I mean, I got all sorts of different brands. I think the one I like the most is the Wild Game. Uh, it's been super reliable for us, it's been uh, crystal clear pictures. I got One that's a 360-degree camera that I absolutely love on the fields. Um, One of these years, I'm going to try one of those cell cameras because one of our properties is about 40 minutes away from where I live, and I hate traveling down there just to check cameras.
0: Yeah. I hear a lot of good reviews about um, the Tacticam cameras, and um, I know around here thanks to Rule King again, a lot of people's buying the spy point uh, cellular cameras for like I believe a hundred a hundred and twenty bucks um, and they like them a lot. My friend has one and he said it does pretty good. but the only issue with that camera is you have to have a certain format SD card. Um, what he means by that? I'm not sure, but he said that it was a pain trying to find one. Uh, um with within wild games have you ever experienced like sun glares or or blurs that were like just ridiculous or has all of them been pretty good all of them have been pretty good um as far as
1: sun glares go um we typically try to set up our cameras facing north or south we do not face them east or west um just because with that sun rising sun setting over the years we're like why are there so so much of a glare and then it just came to us like oh let's just not set it towards the sun (laughs) Um, but for the most part they've been
0: really good okay yeah that's that's exactly what i wanted to touch up on i've seen a lot of forums where they're like I don't know why my cameras are taking bad quality photos. I thought this was a good camera. Well, the the sun's the sun's facing it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh so so you've been bow hunting quite a bit. Could you tell me the best bow hunting experience that you've had so far?
1: Uh hands down last year. It was the first snowfall of the season. Um, I got in my stand at about one o'clock. There was a front that was moving through at about two o'clock. And at this point, there's no snow on the ground. And then all of a sudden, this front came through, and it was snowing hard. And I could not believe the amount of bucks I saw that day. I had two mature bucks right under my stand. Um, I had this nine-pointer. He was about 15 yards away. He was three and a half years old, and I was going to take him and then out steps one of our shooters that we've had on camera, big four-and-a-half-year-old eight-pointer. And at this time, the nine-pointer we never had on camera, so I didn't really know how big he was. Mm-hmm. So I waited to, waited to shoot the nine-pointer. I wanted to see if the eight-pointer uh, would get side-by-side side with him just to see which one was bigger. And by the time I figured out the eight-pointer was bigger, I couldn't take the shot. And then the nine-pointer walked by, walked out of uh, uh, shooting range. Mm-hmm. I was kind of disappointed, but in the same way, it was just fun seeing the amount of bucks that I saw that night. I had eight different bucks walk by. Two of them were that nine-pointer and eight-pointer, but the rest were two-and-a-half-year-olds and just kind of moseying around. And It was hands down my all-time favorite hunt, even though I didn't shoot anything.
0: Yeah. Well, <clears throat> you know, I mean that's usually how it goes. Um, I know there's a lot of times that I've been in the stand and uh a a buck would be chasing a doe or whatever and it just seems like they're always out of reach or something's in the way. But I just really enjoy that moment. Um, just having the opportunity to to be there and to just soak everything in even though that i'm frustrated um and the next day i cut shooting lanes even you know wider but (laughs) um i i I just it, it just goes back to bow hunting is not easy and if if you think it is you're mistaken by a long shot and with saying that bow hunting is very expensive as well (laughs) <laughs> so <laughs> it doesn't really go hand in hand, but once once anybody starts, they'll love the sport. Um but I, going back, I would probably I don't know if this is an archery podcast, but uh my favorite Hunt would probably be with my father. He passed away a few years ago, but, uh, we were leaving, uh, leaving, uh, the farm and on our way out, we saw this eight pointer uh, in front of us, jumped in front of the truck. The, the, that morning or the next morning, rather, um, my dad was like, Hey, let us out here where that dr- where that buck, uh, jumped in front of us. And uh, he gave me uh, a shotgun and he went maybe 10, 15 yards away with a grunt call and grunted for like 10 minutes. And all of a sudden that eight pointer was, was with his nose down grunting. And then he came by me at like 10 steps and I shot him with a buckshot and I bruised my shoulder and it just like fell down and, I don't think I've ever yelled as loud as I did that day. I was so excited, but that was just an insane hunt, you know, sitting down like you're turkey hunting for, for whitetails. And he's, he's nose dogging and I got so nervous, so sweaty at the same time. And he came right in front of me. It was like perfect. And, uh, I shot him like a couple feet away and he just dropped.
1: That's awesome.
0: (laughs) But, I'm sorry. What was that?
1: Sorry to hear that about your father.
0: Yeah. Well, a lot, you know, going with that, I'm glad that I had a great father the amount of time that I did instead of, uh, you know, someone else that, you know, mistreated or didn't spend time with me or anything like that. My dad was very loving and caring. He supported us, and he done everything that he could to make our lives a little bit easier. And I really appreciate that. And, I, you know, I reflect every day on that, but I'm very happy that I had him the amount of time that I did with him being, um, you know, such a great father. But... uh well is there anything else that you would like to talk about we're at 45 minutes right now yeah for sure I'd like
1: to touch up on another uh hunting story um not quite as similar as yours but like I was with my dad at the time we were hunting probably 200 yards apart with our bows and uh it was about probably 5:30 at night, about half hour before dark. Um, a group of deer walked by my dad and he shot one. And then those deer kind of moseyed on over towards me and about in a 10 minute span, I shot another one out of that group. And it was just an awesome hunting experience with him, you know, both tagging out on the exact same night. Um, that'd be probably my second favorite hunt hands down.
0: Yeah. It's and
1: kind of similar to uh to your dad. My dad has always been supportive. He's the one that got me into hunting. He's been hunting all of his life and I'm grateful to uh hunt with him every year. It's a fun time.
0: Yeah, it's just <sighs> memories like that you'll never forget. You know, anytime like I said earlier when you can bring family um hunting it just you cherish them memories forever um and uh, it just it just makes a better bond um, having memories like that, I think um, but yeah, I would definitely tell you to cherish every moment um, because I'm still young' uh, I'm, I'm only 25. I've been working in a bow shop since I was 12 and my dad didn't know anything about archery. I had to learn everything myself, but saying that, he was always there. He always supported me. He always tried to figure everything out. And then, uh, what led me to do this and my own archery shop is where he didn't know much. He would take me to people that knew, and that would be our local bow shop, um, which is no longer around anymore uh, because they, you know, got older and just wanted to enjoy enjoy life. But uh, when I was 12, um, he took me to his shop almost every day. Uh, So so did my mother. And I would just, you know, ask them questions all the time. And then one day they were like, hey, do you just want to fletch arrows for us in the busy season? And we'll teach you everything that you need to know. And uh, that became like an internship. And then I started working for them. And then I had side hustles and started working for other shops at the same time. And then they left, and I was like, well, now's the time for me to just make my own shop. And so i done that, uh, and I, I've been doing pretty good. Uh, starting That's an archery very- shop, you don't really think that you're done you know, you don't really make a lot of money, but I just always enjoyed it, and I try to help people as much as I can and I always ask, uh, you know, what their budget's like and try to accommodate that the best that I can around this area very cool but <clears throat> yeah uh well i guess i'll i'll wrap this up we're almost at 50 minutes i would love to uh have you back on um you know uh, after the season or you know in a, in, a, in a month or two and tell me how it's been in wisconsin <laughs> yeah absolutely i'd love to be back on All right. Well, I really enjoyed everything, and uh, I'll be talking to you soon, okay? Good luck. Yeah, thanks. You too.